Welcome, welcome, welcome to this edition of Exchange Traded Fridays for the week ending the 6th of, oh, no, it's not the 6th, it's the 13th of August. I'm stuck in a time warp. Um, I'm still stuck in Olympics mode. Uh, I'm Mark from ETF Tracker, and this is the Exchange Traded Fridays newsletter where we recap what's happened in the week of uh, the news that's just gone past for ETFs both locally and globally. And it's been a bit of a massive week this week. So there's there's a lot of news, um, there's a lot of data that's come out and yeah, we hope that you are ready for the action. So why don't we get straight uh, to the show? So this is issue number four for Exchange Traded Fridays for the week ending 13th of August, the Olympics are over. Um, at least we've got the latest ASX data to go through. So it's an interesting month, uh, the month of August 2021, because it marks 20 years since ETFs first hit the shores here in Australia back in 2001. It was the 27th of August in 2001. And since then, uh, there's now over 200 funds. There's 116.5 billion in funds under management, FUM or AUM as some people call it. And it was also a week of climate news. There was an IPCC report that came out showing that Australia is likely to see an increase uh, one and a half degrees in temperature in the next decade and what that means for investing. So that was closely looked at in the news as well. There were a lot of articles focused on ETFs this week in the news. So it's another bumper week of action. So make sure you definitely check that out. Um, globally, we saw uh, talks about Bitcoin ETFs again and futures making a play and the rise of active ETFs. So that's really continuing a much more than passive of being listed over there in the US. So it's a change we're likely to see here as well. Um, but before we begin, we need to show you this video from Open Markets. So we love our hip hop here and they're combining that with market updates and they released a video for their July update. So I'll just hit play on this. So see if you enjoy it. If you don't love hip hop, I'm sorry, but I do. So uh, hopefully you enjoy this one. Check this out. July started slow, but then hit some fresh highs. While lockdown illustrated time just flies. Sydney airports flew with a bid for the copper. Just a 22 billion takeover offer. While some Aussie super funds drove that action. Infrastructure really saw some good traction. Telstra hit full bars. Towers got bought. Let's see if that changed with next month's report. Gold had some good days, but then got the jitters. While the M&A scene had much more glitter. West Farmers made a bid for AUS Pharmaceutical. Six Mill was real suitable. Hello Fresh gobbled up you food stocks, which jumped up the charts as the news made the box. Lithium shares hit markets on a charge as increase in demand drove the price large. The buy now pay later scenes blowing up as PayPal sauntered in and said, What's up? Apple hints it they want some action as well. After Pagan Zip had the month from hell. Mid July, we saw unemployment improving. The city crashed the party with lockdown looming. August is in focus, so watch this space. We're earning seasons, spitting results in your face. Keep an ear on time and avoid those surprises. And meanwhile, peep your AZs and Pfizer's. For planners, advisors, and market conductors, join open markets, the home of disruptors. Yeah. How good is that? That was so cool. We've got a little one for ourselves. Thanks to Open Markets for kicking off the action. The video wrap was up to satisfaction. So what's with the rest of this week's newsletter? We started it off strong and it's about to get better. Yeah, maybe maybe not as good as the Open Markets crew. 
you know, we'll stick to our day jobs here, but how cool was that? So you can check that out. There's a link here um, to YouTube, but then also they put it up on LinkedIn as well. So make sure you check that out. So what is in this week's newsletter? So we are looking at a couple of different things. There's many ways to consume the data that we provide and the news that we are collating. So there's a way to listen and watch. We also go through local and global articles. There's videos, there's podcasts. Um, we, where there are webinars, we will flag those. I don't think there are any this uh, for, for the next coming week that we are, are flagging, but if there is, we'll definitely include that. Charts of the week, uh, ETF education, the ETF tracker app for those that want to explore the data. And then there's the forum and the socials. So it's a jam-packed week, so let's get to it. All right, so first of all, if you wanna listen or watch, this is replayed on YouTube and Spotify and it goes out on the same day. So we record this on Thursday night evening and we go through all of the things that have happened from the weekend into the week. We record it so that you can listen to it on Spotify or from the ETF tracker page, as well as watching it on YouTube. So if you wanna see some of the articles, maybe you don't have access, for example, this week, just because there's a lot of stuff that's come out from um, the AFR, and there's a couple of articles from Bloomberg we just had to include, and you need subscriptions for that, and we've sorted out ours after a little hiccup uh, last week, so we include those. Um, but you can also access it on Spotify as well, and if you are a subscriber to etftracker.com.au, you will be able to see the newsletters that come out to your inbox each Friday morning. So, uh, the weekly wrap, um, and we had the wrap, right up there, so pardon that pun. Um, the first thing is that on Monday this week, we had the ASX markets provide their updates. So each month, um, Martin, Andrew, uh, Rory, and, and everyone in that team over there, there's many to name, Anastasia, Helen, uh, Roger, all those guys, they pull together amazing sets of data from uh, the various ETF issuers that give us the insights that we need to be able to piece together uh, our applications and to do further analysis. You can see that here, um, there's a little animation that is playing and it's basically an article that we pulled together with a lot of facts and figures that come from that ASX data and there's also ChiX data that is supplemented uh, with that. And so the first link is to the ETF tracker July 2021 update. And uh, the first thing to note there is that growth in the total uh, market went up to 116 and a half billion. Overall, the market was still quite positive in terms of performance. So one month performance averaged out at just under 1% for July. And we also saw an interesting thing in ESG um, that related ETFs there, they had the most um, amount traded that month um, for the month of July. So we'll jump to that one just quickly and I'll show you that uh, I'll show you the charts that are there. Um, so we've got all the other charts here. So this is on the ETF tracker blog. But the last section here was really interesting. And for those of you that um, aren't looking at this, uh, maybe listening on Spotify or whatnot, basically there are the number of trades that happen each month. And there's a category of ETFs that we've grouped together. There's about 23 of them, all with an ethical um, and ESG type of focus. And in the month of July, they saw the most number of trades than we've seen for them in any other month. Uh, the peak prior to that was still under 25K. And then all of a sudden we had 35,000 trades in the month of July. What it also meant was that there was a large number of transaction volume, not the biggest ever that they've had, but quite large. And then we also had transacted value 
at the highest it's ever been. So nearly half a billion dollars. So for ESG investors, it's very important because you're just showing that there are more and more people that are interested in this kind of thing, whether it's uh, investors talking to their advisors or just looking for this kind of stuff on the ETF brokerage apps. So make sure that you check that out and check out the other uh, insights from ETF Tracker there. And as I said, this week it marks 20 years of ETFs in the market and the ASX put out a little article with some facts and figures from where things were in 2001. They admitted two State Street Global Advisor ETFs um, into the markets here to where we are in 2021. So over 223 ETFs on the ASX, and then we also include ChiX, of course, um, in our analysis, and that's across seven asset classes, and that was worth 113.5 billion as at June 2021. It's now higher. Um, so yeah, there's there's just a lot of uh, really interesting kind of insights on uh, this page, a couple of charts here. And if you want to read more, there's some insights and articles there. So check that one out from the ASX. Another one that we get on the regular is the ETF Securities ETF Monitor for the week ending the 6th of August. So the top highlights from the week were that Aussie Tech and Precious Metals were, were really key there. ATEC, A-T-E-C, was the top performing ETF across the market last week. That was returning 8.9% on news of the Afterpay takeover deal. And Precious Metals declining last week with gold falling 3.5% amongst others. So make sure you check that out. That link takes you to the ETF uh, monitor from ETF Securities. When you get there, and you can download that, that is a PDF, or you can return to the main ETF monitors page if you want to look at anything from one of the previous weeks there. So check that one out. Okay, and then there's another one here from, um, speaking of ATEC, which is a BetaShares ETF. Um, BetaShares had this article here, which is Start Your Batteries, The Impact of Electric Vehicles on ESG. And this is an article on the uh, BetaShares page. Um, so they, they talk with Chief Economist David Bassanese, and he goes through the transportation game when it comes to ESG investments and the pivot of large automakers to a green way of doing things. So definitely check this out if you are interested in ESG and motor vehicles. There's um, for something that entertains us, definitely there's a lot of charts here that show, for example, the global plug-in vehicle markets, BEV and PHEV in light vehicles. So they show that across the globe. So there's China that is having the most uptake followed by Germany and the US and then across Europe and what that 2020 total is. And then it also shows a couple of other charts like the downturn in ice or internal combustion engines, as well as the uptake in battery electric vehicles or BEV, and also the plug-in um, hybrid electric vehicles. So there's some charts there on that, as well as a summary. So make sure you check that out from BetaShares. And then we jump to the biggest part of the local news. Um, we often will see ETF articles coming out from the Financial Review, the Australian Financial Review. But this week marks a bumper week. I've never seen as much ETF-focused articles as they put out. So I couldn't not um, include these. We, we could not ignore it, basically. Um, so this is likely to coincide with the 20th month, sorry, 20th year this month of ETFs hitting the Australian markets. For anyone interested in a history of ETFs, we do have an article, a set of three articles on uh, the ETF Tracker blog very early on 
in the education pages and uh, in the blog, if you go to education, there is um, a history of ETFs when they started in 1993 to where they are now, mostly from overseas, but a little bit about here. So definitely check that out. So the first article in the AFR is all about dented home ownership dreams drive millennials to ETFs. And in this article, they look at the influx of new retail investors diving into ETFs as opposed to direct home ownership. And so what we take a look at here, so they talk about um, someone who has bitten the bullet and put $5,000 into beta shares, an exchange traded fund tracking the performance of over 8,000 companies across 60 global exchanges. And so this person that works in marketing, she's put in a couple of, uh, so a little bit of money into uh, various ETFs. And it's because friends were talking about it and just a lot of news probably, you know, going out to the market talking about this kind of stuff. So, you know, we are very uh, adamant that there is a lot of data that's out there. There's a lot of education and a lot of ways to learn. And it's very easy now to get into the market. So all of these things are culminating in more and more retail investors who might have a harder time trying to get into home ownership right now to look at ETFs as an alternative to just um, sitting it in the bank. So definitely take a look at this article. Um, so we take a look here, it's a bit of a long-term one, um, not planning on touching the ETFs for five to 10 years, which is good, it's a bottom draw investment there. And ETFs, um, they're taking a look here at uh, the other kind of um, dimensions of ETFs. So domestically, the market has now grown to over 115. We know it's 116 and a half billion now. 30% um, growth, 32% growth uh, a year. It's actually, um, if we take a look at year on year from June last year to uh, the end of June this year, so start of July to the end of June, that financial year was actually 76% growth, but previous periods was around 30%, 30%, 30%. Um, there was a lot of influx of active managed uh, closed ended funds, actively managed closed ended funds that listed to be open. So that really helped with um, that growth there, but I digress. So they talked to um, someone from State Street here. They talked to Megan Victor, who leads the ETF charge over at State Street. They also talked to Matthew Wilkinson of Morningstar to get his opinions on this. Um, and you know, the thing is with, with all of this kind of stuff is that if people are not uh, risk um, kind of, if they're lower on the risk curve and they want to find something that will very likely show some growth, but not be speculative so that it is something that is really risky, ETFs offer a great way for people to get in. So definitely take a look at this. It talks about technology platforms as well, whether it's Raise or Six Park um, and a couple of others like Comsec and Comsec Pocket that offer easy ways to get into ETFs. They've also got Elan here from uh, BetaShares who has one of the biggest, uh, his company BetaShares has one of the biggest providers uh, of ETFs here in the local market. So definitely, definitely check this one out. So that's one of the ETF articles in the AFR. The next one is how wealth advisors powered Australia's ETF boom. So this article puts credit where credit is due in the growth of ETFs and how the advisor community um, recommending this type of product has increased to 60% according to BetaShares surveys. It used to be only 27, 27% of advisors back in 2010 recommending things like ETFs. So that has changed quite a bit. Part of that reason is because of restrictive licenses and approved product lists made it hard to invest in ETFs, but many new operating models now allow for this kind of asset to be used. So there's definitely some upward trend there. 
Whilst they're still detractors, the key will be cutting through the noise and jargon according to e-invest's Camilla Love. So time will tell um, based on what we you know look at with the data if this kind of hot, hot pace of growth is gonna continue, but uh, we, we will see. And so in here, um, they talk about investors uh, set to tip more than 20, or they have tipped, sorry, 20 billion into exchange traded funds uh, in the first half of this year alone. So taking that total to again, 115, 116 billion. Um, so 22% growth rate over um, the six months and 76% as we mentioned um, over the full financial year. So. Let's take a look uh, further in this article. There's some other numbers and charts that they've got here. 60% of the industry now uses ETFs in client portfolios. That is according to um, the financial advisors survey that was done by Better Shares, and also with investment trends doing a lot of that. Investment trends do a lot of um, amazing kind of research. They do the uh, investor kind of surveys with the ASX. So whenever you see those yearly ones, it's usually investment trends that have done that. Um, the role of professional advisors as distributors of ETFs is remarkable, given that until recently, the majority of the industry professionals were employed or controlled by the big banks and wealth conglomerates. So they, they were managed manufacturers of actively managed unlisted funds. So it's quite a change and quite remarkable that now that there's more of this openness um, and you know ease with which to invest, so it's not just advisors and retail investors, there's more um, money going into ETFs as, as a type of asset class. And we can see here in this chart, the ETP market cap growth to just under 120 billion and that represents since 2001. I've only got data going back to 2017, so very recent history, but that represents 46% um, year-to-date growth from 2001 to year-to-date, sorry. That represents that much compound annual growth rate for that period. That is amazing in terms of the size of the market. And then they also take a look at the top 10 products for the first half of 2021 and where most of the uh, market cap is for these. So there's Magellan Global Fund, which is 14.6 billion. After that, it's Vanguard's Australian Shares Index, VAS, as it's more well-known. And then there's also the Spider ASX 200, iShares S&P 500, and quite a few others here. So make sure to take a look at that if you have an AFR subscription. And then we come to a couple of other articles, Active ETFs Prime for Explosive Growth. And so in this article, uh, they're talking about the, the active versus passive ETFs. And we take a look at that in the global articles a little bit later. Basically, um, the GM of investment products over the ASX, Andrew Campion, he says that we're bullish on this product, uh, on the potential for this product. The majority of new exchange traded products coming to the market in the next 12 months are active ETFs. And that's really interesting because as I said, we'll see that later on in the article, um, later on in the newsletter that globally that's that's what's playing out as well. And we also got the equity mates guys here. So Alec um, or Ren from equity mates, he talks about um, the big opportunity and proliferation of active ETFs is the access it gives to everyday investors looking to get some exposure to active management by removing the high minimum investment needed to access unlisted funds. So if you've ever looked at trying to get into a, a fund. Um, there's usually some sort of hurdle rate, it has to have a minimum amount of investment, but now with actively managed ETFs, it's making life easier for those investors that might not have that much to put in just yet. 
And so the other part is that Triax is now aggressively uh, pursuing the ETF market by offering a streamlined approach to listing applications for managers and an extremely compelling fee offering relative to the ASX. So there's a good bit of competition here. CBOE acquired uh, Triax earlier this year. So they just see that that is gonna continue to accelerate this. So more competition usually means uh, more types of new products and more innovation. And it just means better things for the ETF market as a whole and for retail investors. So make sure um, that you keep an eye out for that. <clears throat> so the next one, speaking of active ETFs, I thought I'd throw this one in here for Perennial. They've got a thing called the Better Future Trust and also a Better Future Fund, which is the listed part of that. It goes under the ticker IMPQ, so IMPQ for impact. Um, so it's their Better Future Fund. It's run by Damien Cottier and Emily O'Neill. It's well-placed to tackle the climate issues, especially with the most recent IPCC report talking about a rise in global temperatures this year. So we take a look at increasing inquiries that they're seeing from financial advisors who have um, their uh, investors looking at uh, active ETFs and trying to get exposure not just active ETS, but also to um, things that are more aligned with their values. And if that's environmental and being more social and ethical with investing, then that really helps. Um, you know, having the right now, as I said, there's about 23 listed ETFs on Triax and the ASX, uh, totaling about 4.7 or 4.8 billion, I think, as of July. Um, it's probably gonna be more when we get the Triax numbers in. So there's a lot of money that's in that and that is just continuing to grow. So um, make sure you take a look at this. There's also a link to the uh, article from, uh, sorry, the not the article, the uh, report that the AFR had on the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. This is a United Nations body and they found that a 1.5 degree increase in global temperatures could hit within a decade and Australia is very likely to be affected by that. So if you're not already looking at ESG type investing, whether it's passive or it is active, make sure you do because it's something that's important for our future um, and you know, superannuation funds are definitely looking at that as well. And speaking of uh, thematics, we jump to this article here from the AFR as well. Um, thematic ETFs help complement core equity holdings. And this article looks at the mega trends gaining in popularity like clean energy, healthcare technology, and more. Uh, the best themes play out over many years, according to Ben Johnson, Morningside Director of Global ETF Research. Now the article goes through some of the things to look for when looking for thematic investments. So let's take a look at that one quickly. So we can see here um, a couple of charts. Uh, for example, the first one is the performance of the MISCI um, ACWI, so All Country World Index um, Innovation Thematic Indices. So they split that up into FinTech Innovation and that's performed the best. Behind that is the Next Gen Internet uh, Innovation. So after that is Innovation on its own, Autonomous Technology and industrial innovation, as well as genomic innovation. And all of those have done quite well compared to peers, but the best out of that has been FinTech. And if you're an investor over the last couple of years, this goes back to um, 2018, 2017, you will have seen that a lot of the leading kind of stocks, ETFs have been those uh, technology plays. They have had recent um, pullbacks. So, you know, whether that's just a short-term correction or longer, uh, over the longer term, we'll see, you know, if that just continues, whether uh, those innovation types and technology kind of plays really are the ones that will stay the market darling. So 
uh, they get here to this section on questions to ask. So let's just take a look at that. So first and foremost, um, the first question that they say that you should ask when evaluating a thematic fund is the theme itself. First and foremost, a robust theme should be logical. Is the narrative convincing? Is there a coherent and compelling growth story behind the strategy? Is there data to back it up? Um, the long-term performance figures for the thematic funds are not flattering necessarily. They suggest that investors' odds of selecting a fund that will survive and outperform over the long run are slim. So definitely take a look at that if you are going to get into these plays. Second, uh, investors should examine how well a fund tracks its theme. So whilst at face value, the theme in question may be intuitive and appear to have durable investment merit, it might not be possible to capitalize on it via publicly traded stocks. So make sure that you look at uh, how a firm is performing versus its benchmark. And they have a thing called tracking error. And you can see that. So when you look at uh, different ETFs, the benchmark that they've got on the ETF page, they will say what you know the performance is versus that benchmark. So make sure you take a look at that. He also says that you need to look out for potentially reduced liquidity. In their search for companies with the highest exposure to emerging themes and those with the highest growth potential, thematic funds often invested in the smaller, less liquid stocks. So microcap stocks can offer a large upside potential. So that helps you with potential, you know, in terms of price returns. But a lack of liquidity means trading in and out of um, tr trading in and out at short notice can be costly. So you need to make sure that you look at that. The ASX and Chiax produce liquidity numbers and we put that into the app and we've got a page where it looks at monthly liquidity and make sure that you see, you know, whether or not a stock is being affected by uh, that liquidity. There's also other factors like cost. There's the distribution yield. There's the spreads as well and spreads the difference between what a stock is being um, sold at and what the offerers that are wanting to buy that are offering to buy that at. So that bid ask kind of spread, if that's high and quite wide, as they call it, then that's going to be harder to get out of some of those ETFs. And especially if it's low in terms of liquidity, that is also going to be hard. So make sure you take a look at the numbers, look under the hood. Okay, so those are just some of the things that you need to keep an eye out for if you are looking at um, thematic ETFs. And then there's another um, article on the 20 years of growth on the ASX. We saw that previous article before, um, which was from uh, the ASX themselves. And then uh, Andrew Campion, the GM of investment products. So investment products, that team is the one that produces uh, and, and manages the uh, ETH. They produce the report and they manage the ETFs that are on the exchange. And so that whole process for new ETFs to list, they're the ones that you know take care of a lot of that and also the equivalent team on the Chi-X. And so this one was produced by the, uh, the ASX, this article. So it just goes through a couple of numbers that are of interest here in the growth of ETFs leading up to its 20th anniversary. And I think the ASX were planning on some bigger kind of events, but we've had COVID hit here in Sydney, so no one is going anywhere. So it's a bit of a shame, but it would have been nice to see some of that fanfare around um, the ETFs and having that 20th year. But I'm sure just like the Olympics being celebrated later, there might be something later on. It's definitely a, a thing to be, uh, you know, noteworthy of and, and make sure to, to check out. So about 45% of next gen investors, that's the ages of 18 to 24, plan to invest in ETFs over 12 months. That's according to the latest ASX Australian investor study. One in five next gen investors uh, surveyed said that they hold ETFs. Almost one in 10 
said that they bought an ETF as their first investment. So um, that's remarkable. Uh, they say it's changed. Um, there's an estimated uh, 900,000 Australian uh, Australians, 900,000, so nearly a million Australians planned to start investing within 12 months and around a quarter of the next gen investors. So there's going to be a high number of those going into ETFs. So definitely uh, make sure that you check out this article or you can check out the equivalent on the ASX there as well. So definitely take a look at that. And then the last one, there's, there were a few more, um, but we didn't include just every single one of the AFR's articles up to Thursday on ETS. But I thought this one would be interesting, just continuing with that ESG kind of theme. And it's called how to cash in on the clean energy juggernaut. And this article, um, it focuses on two types of ESG ETFs, CLNE and Earth. So let's take a look at that. So um, the two ETF products that are tailor-made to fulfill um, both goals and what those goals are is if you are looking for a way to invest in clean energy, um, there is this multi-trillion dollar global mega trend there. And if you want to invest in things that are sustainable, renewable power related and benefiting the planet, then they recommend looking at CLNE, that's the Van Eck Global Clean Energy ETF, and also Earth, which is the BetaShares Climate Change Innovation ETF. Both are targeted at meeting market growth, uh, sorry, both are targeted at meeting growth objectives while satisfying investor demands for ETFs that combine environmental, social, and governance goals. So they talk here about the uh, Van Eck one first, and uh, it's less than six months old and it already has 50 million in assets under management. So that's been a bit of a popular one. We've got Arian here, um, the MD of Van Eck here in Australia talking about that. CLNE was designed to meet the growing demand for renewable energy with companies in the clean energy sector poised to benefit from the global megatrend propelling increasing use of clean energy and associated technology. And we also take a look here at uh, the Earth ETF. This is BetaShares flagship um, fund. It's the leading ETF in the sector with more than 100 million in assets under management. The fund has tripled in size since March. So they also have Ethi, but Earth is proving to be quite popular as well. And Alex Vinicor, the CEO of um, BetaShares says that Earth provides investors access to leading companies in the sustainable energy sector, along with a broader portfolio of companies that seek to reduce greenhouse emissions in other ways. So definitely something to look at. You've got different options there. You can take a look at the metrics. Um, we flash that up on the ETF tracker page and you can see the difference between all of these different uh, ESG related ETFs. And so make sure you take a look at that. And under the hood as well, we provide links back to all of these ETFs. We do have some holdings analysis that we can do. We do that for BetaShares, iShares and State Street at this stage. But if you are interested within the main ETF tracker app, there is a way for you to look at an individual ETF page just on its own with all the metrics there on the page. And there is a link on that top right corner where you can actually go back to the uh, fund page and you can see more details there. So check that one out. So that wraps up the the, the local uh, ETF articles and we're, we're well into the show. So let's take a look at global. ETF stream, they said, do not overlook India ETF. So in this article, they talk about a couple of India ETFs. So if you're looking to play something from that part of the continent, um, sorry, part of the world. They've had some really good increases in terms of how they performed over one year. 
and they're looking at global um, ETFs. So both of these iShares ones. So there's the NDIA, and there's uh, that's specifically to that's specifically to India. But there's also an emerging markets one, which is EIMI. Now here in Australia, um, we've got IIND and NDIA as well. So those are the ways that you can play that here if you're investing in local uh, ETFs. So they take a look at some more of the details here. It's more than market cap weighted. Um, make sure that you keep risk management in mind as well. So if you haven't already seen the work from ETF uh, stream, make sure that you check that out. They've got a lot of good insights and news there. And then there's two more here. So another one here is on China's heavy hand in emerging market ETFs. So this article looks at the different quirks that investors need to be aware of when looking at Chinese equities, such as whether they are A shares or H shares, which is um, listed in Hong Kong, and ways to play the Asian equity space without the outsized influence of China. So if you're interested in China, check that one out. Also, if um, you are interested in Bitcoin type ETFs, the SEC chair, Gary Gensler, has hinted at the possibility of uh, Bitcoin ETFs. And um, he's basically made more positive comments about the potential for Bitcoin futures ETFs, which would offer more um, protection for investors should they go ahead. So right now the issue around um, any kind of uh, Bitcoin investing in ETFs or crypto is the protection of investors. But with futures products that can offer a way to offset any kind of crazy volatility and that will make it easier to list ETFs. So this is a bit of positive news and you can check that article out. And then as we mentioned at the start, um, it's really interesting to see that there's a lot more um, ETFs overtaking, um, not just in terms of the, the active versus passive, but just in terms of funds in general. So this Financial Times article talks about that ETFs are set to overtake mutual funds as a passive vehicle of choice. So ETF assets and funds under management uh, reached 8.7 trillion and nearly up to the level of passive mutual funds. The gap is 132 billion right now and was 623 billion at the start, or, sorry, at the end of 2019. So in the article from the Financial Times, they have uh, the details there that we just spoke about, but there's also a, oh, okay. So <laughs> this was available the other day, but basically they had a chart on the page which showed the gap of the ETFs just over time between um, the mutual funds and uh, ETFs themselves. And they've shown that that gap, so the mutual funds are still quite a lot more in terms of funds under management that is getting smaller and smaller. It was a gap of 623 billion. It was now only 132 billion and the pace of growth that ETFs are having globally, it's likely to outplay that and um, become bigger. And then we get to this article from Bloomberg, or two articles from Bloomberg actually. So the first one is superstar fund managers are launching ETFs, are they worth the price? And so the first part of this was really interesting because it talks about the, um, you know, the billions that are going in each month um, flowing into the $6.6 trillion industry. Okay, so well, billions actually going in every day because it is rising globally at a very accelerated rate. And then we take a look here at uh, the 100, there's 156 that have started trading this year, ETFs that are actively managed ETFs compared with just 77 passive ones. And they've attracted 62 billion of fresh cash this year, which is about 12% of the total 523 billion poured into ETFs overall just this year. So definitely take a look uh, at this one. And we can see a chart here showing that active ETFs 
from all the years going back to 2014, 2015, all the way up to 2020. 2020, there was $55.2 billion going into active ETFs. And in 2021, and we're not even, we're, we're over halfway, but we've still got, you know, much of that next half to go. We're already at 46.7 billion in terms of ETFs. So we're likely to see another bump year, a record year for ESG, sorry, for, for active ETFs over there in the US. So make sure you take a look at that. And then um, another one on the Bloomberg uh, talking about Gary Gensler, the SEC chair gets his wish as Bitcoin futures ETFs filings land. And we include a chart here below, which was from a few newsletters ago, and it showed uh, all of the different, whether they've been uh, declined or sorry, denied or withdrawn, um, all of the different Bitcoin and crypto related ETFs that have been filed over in the US and what the filing date was, what the kind of replication strategy was. So was it treasury and coin or just coin based or was it futures? and derivatives based. So with all of those, you can see that there is a massive amount of uh, ETFs interested in listing that relate to Bitcoin. But now with uh, news that it's likely we're gonna see some um, positive uh, news out there around futures ETFs. So we're likely to see more of those futures list. And if that is the case, it's very likely that we're gonna get closer and closer to a proper Bitcoin ETF uh, or crypto ETF listing. Now we get to the videos and the first one that we see here or the latest one is from uh, yesterday, the 11th of uh, August, our biotech ETFs are buy. And this is from Ausbiz. They do a deep dive into ACDC with Kanish Chug from a sorry, ETF Securities. He talks about how uh, ACDC could benefit from the Biden administration stimulus plan that was just announced recently in the US. So ACDC is more than just US companies though. Um, they also take a look at, um, so it's not just US, but they talk about some of the other companies around the world that they play in. So definitely take a look at that for more detail there. They finish up that talk with a, uh, a chat about the biotech play that they've got, which is Cure, C-U-R-E. Um, great name, you know, tells you exactly what it does on the tin. The downturn that we're seeing right now in that ETF could change as the underlying companies have had strong turnarounds and there are other potential catalysts too. So you can see that in the video that goes for about five minutes. Um, before that, on August 10th, um, we've got this one, investors continue to pile into the ETF market. And this one's special to us because it was our appearance on Ausbiz. And so ETF Tracker got to make an appearance we can see that below. So you can see the screen grab here. And if you click on that, if you click on all of the images that actually takes you somewhere this time um, on the ETF tracker newsletter. So make sure you do that. That'll take you to a video of our appearance on Ausbiz talking with Andrew Goffigan. Um, we did the July market update. We highlighted that ESG had traded the most it ever has. So highest transactions ever. In the month of July, we talked about the growth, how much fun and inflows were going into the market, and also where performance was really going this month. So it was uh, across property, uh, that was global property. So we've also got Australian related property ETS, but global property was the one that outperformed the most, DJRE and REIT. So DJRE and REIT. Um, those two ETFs are the ones that did the 
best in that kind of sector, but also infrastructure and commodities as well. So gold did really well in July, but we've seen a bit of a downturn again. Um, but it depends on what your scope is, how long you're looking at investing, you know, whether this just is a blip in the ocean. So make sure to take a look at that. And then on the 10th of August as well, they had another one from David Lane over at Ordmanet. Um, this one was titled Stocks and ETFs to Help Fix the Climate Crisis. And so um, the IPCC report coming out. So they got David on there to go through the recent uh, report and details and just what you can do if you're going to dive into ESG type themes and what leaders uh, in terms of stocks and ETFs to look at there. So make sure you take a look at that one. And then on Monday, they had what is this investment manager's no brains trade. And so they had James Whelan from VFS Group. So James goes through a number of opportunities, including the IUMO Momentum ETF and the opportunities in Hong Kong, especially with ByteDance now looking to list on the Hong Kong exchange rather than the US as with many other companies. So this gives the potential for Asian focused trade, which may come in handy given the drop in Chinese related stocks in recent weeks. And so take a look at that one there. Then we've got a couple of podcasts. So um, Equity Mates over the weekend, they did their US reporting season wrap up hearing directly from the tech giant CEO. So make sure you check that one out. There was also another one, I'm not sure if you guys have seen or sorry, heard about this one. It's the guys at What The Flux. And they have these short little segments that talk about local business and market news. And it's really interesting the take that they have on that. So if you're looking for something shorter, definitely take a look at this one. The topics that they've got here are Combax free ride for retailers, Warren Buffett's six billion bet on himself, and NAB buying Cities Aussie consumer business for 1.2 billion. So that goes for six minutes. So check that one out. ETF Edge, uh, one of my favorite uh, podcasts from CNBC, and it's mostly US-based investing. But the thing is, like with the markets so close and global, uh, we definitely see themes that they see over there trending here. So whether it's um, the outpacing of active versus passive over there or the growth in ESG or Bitcoin even, those are themes that we're seeing here directly in Australia. So make sure you check that one out. In this one, they talk about crypto's rally and the fate of the Bitcoin ETF. And so that takes 27 minutes. So definitely check that out on a jog or a walk or something. And then there's a longer one, 65 minutes from ETF Prime, and that's Nate Garacy. And he has an awesome uh, podcast and also just a website. So make sure you check that one out. So ETF Prime, they talk about the glimmer of hope for futures-based Bitcoin ETFs. So definitely one to check out there. And then finally, uh, we have a look at another podcast called Let's Talk ETFs. Where do crypto markets and digital transformation fit into the ETF universe? So that's 38 minutes too. So quite a bit of detail there. If you wanna take a look at this over the weekend, um, you can definitely do that or maybe catch up early next week. And so we get to the tweet of the week. This one is from Eric Balchunas. He's a BI, sorry, he's an ETF, the senior ETF analyst actually at Bloomberg. And this is a preview piece on the rise of active ETFs, as we mentioned before. So it's a bit of a theme this week. So his uh, screen grab here um, is talking about ARK's audacious active style and how that fits in with the era of Vanguard. And so definitely take a look at that one if you're interested in ARK or active or any other of those kinds of ETFs. And then we take a look at the chart of the week. And as we mentioned before um, about the ESG trade, and we jumped into the article earlier in this uh, video um, podcast, and you can also take a look at it here in the newsletter if you don't wanna go into the actual um, article or app. 
the most amount of ESG-related ETFs were traded in July 2021 than any other previous month. Um, this is due to not just the increase in number of ESG-related ETFs, we said now there's 23, but also the growing popularity for this type of thematic. So you can see more in the app. And so we can see that chart here. It was just a bumper month for July. We'll see if that continues. Um, the ETF securities that monitor that they have each week, which comes out on Tuesdays, you can see fund inflows in there. And year to date, uh, ESG related ETFs make the top five with ETHI, E-T-H-I from beta shares. So it just shows that it's becoming a normal part of the market. So usually what you see at the top of the food chain there is you'd have the core type of ETFs, the broad market, the VAS, the IOZ, the NDQs and other US-based and Australian-based kind of ETFs that track broad, uh, you know, a whole kind of market. But seeing ETHI up there in terms of year-to-date inflows, it just goes to show that there's a lot more focus on this type of thing. We didn't need the IPCC report, although that's going to give a bit of a kick up the butt for those that haven't been looking at ESG type of investing. But, you know, it shows that there is much more interest in this kind of stuff and we hope to see that continue. Okay, um, nothing on the further ETF education just yet. So we might add that in the newsletter before we um, send that one out. So the other part is the ETF tracker app and you can click on the article, sorry, the link here or the image to go straight to that. Then we also thought we'd mention the ETF tracker forum. And the reason for that is that this uh, has been something that we've been growing slowly. We've got a few people that are signed up to the forum. It is free uh, to sign up if you are interested in that kind of stuff. Um, the forum is a place for you to ask questions, share ideas, or just get some help and just peruse and see what things other people are posting there. So definitely want to check out. One of the things that we have been seeing a lot of in the forum has is getting like a lot of messages around, um, can you take a look at these ETFs or can you take a look at my particular portfolio? And so um, because we've had a few of those, I thought I'd do an article uh, showing, well, actually it takes you straight to the forum, um, this link here. So someone's requested a bit of analysis on DJRE as a stock. And that's done really well in July, as we mentioned there amongst the uh, global kind of property plays amongst uh, those kinds of stocks and REIT actually did well as well. But we showed how you can use ETF tracker to do a comparison. So there's a comparison tab. And then what you need to do is select the different ETFs that you're interested in looking at. And then one of the sub menus, once you've done your filter selection is you're gonna be able to take a look at that in terms of performance, size, transactions, what the um, liquidity and spread is, as we mentioned up above, that liquidity and spread is something really important to look at. And just a couple of other metrics there, such as like distribution yields. So how much distribution are you expecting to get from that? And also um, the management expense ratio or MER. And that's part of what makes up the costs for ETS because there's always a cost of these things, um, even if your brokerage is really low. And we finish off with uh, all of the different ETF tracker socials. So you can find us on YouTube. You might be watching this already there, or you might be listening on Spotify. We're also on Instagram. We are also on Twitter. TikTok, we've got a few things there. So if you're a younger investor and you're interested in looking at anything we've got on TikTok, 
Um, not as much dancing as other channels, um, not yet, so who knows? And we're also on LinkedIn for the more serious amongst you. And uh, yeah, we've got a sample of our last YouTube video. We're actually doing something with these YouTube videos. If you watch this one on YouTube, you'll notice that we now have an intro screen and we're gonna cut to the outro screen as well. So we're trying to make it a little bit more professional. It's um, a bit of a labor of love here at ETF Tracker to pull this together. We've had to you know, put in some extra hours to find out how to do some of these things. Uh, but yeah, if you are interested in the ETF markets or what's going on in the news in markets in general, make sure that you come to etftracker.com.au, sign up to the page here, uh, follow us on Spotify, follow us on YouTube and just support the the local markets here and support what we're doing and we will make sure that we provide as much value as we can back to you. I'm Mark, thanks for your time and have a great weekend. See you later.